Welcome to the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will be greatly encouraged as Pastor Dale Walker and others bring a fresh word from God directly to your heart. Be blessed. Good morning, church. How are you doing? You doing good? I am so excited, so pumped, so hyped about this message uh, today. Today I get a chair. Awesome. This is cool. I'm going to put this in the back. Okay. So today I'm going to be speaking about worship. One of the things that I most uh, love about my Christian walk with God is worship. And we are in the weird series. And let's just say it. Worship is weird. Worship is weird. You know, one of the first times that I saw worship, I was like, what is going on? What are people doing? Why are they crying? Why do they lift their hands? Why do they kneel? Why do some even go to all the way face down to the ground? What is this about? And today we're going to be just going into what worship is and what worship brings and how how is it that our lives is a life actually of worship? Each and every one of us, all humanity, um, has something innate in them that they cannot ignore or put aside, and that is worship. The reality is that whatever consumes your time, whatever consumes your talent, your treasure, is actually speaking volumes of what is at the heart of your devotion. This world offers a thousand and one and two things that you could offer and put your devotion towards. And in the heart of man, God set a desire for worship, to worship something. And that desire will only be satisfied when our worship is directed to the one that put that desire there in our hearts, God. Meanwhile, we will keep searching where to direct, where to deposit, where to give, where to offer our worship in the money, in our work, in entertainment, in uh, relationships, everything without satisfaction. Now, when we say worship, especially in a church context, we immediately associate it with what just happened a while ago, right? We associate it with music. We associate it with songs that we sing here in the congregation. And while that is true, um, worship actually goes a little bit deeper than that. Our worship expression in song is simply a manifestation of the worship we live out day to day in our lives. When we live a life trusting in God, walking devotedly for him, obeying his word, our worship has found its home. But I do want you to understand this. Worship goes against everything that this world actually, or the status quo of this world. What is What is the uh, reaction that is expected of you when things happen? The least that you think that you're going to do or that people expect you to do is to worship. The least that people expect you to do is is to follow God. The least that people expect you to do is to uh, um, walk in obedience in God. 
when something happens, when tragedy strikes us, when um, there's loss in our lives, when difficult circumstances come our way, when there's affliction in our lives, what is it that is expected for us to be sad, for us to react in a very human way, yes? But when we react with worship, God is, uh, God is glorified. And believe me, your life will change. And today I wanna to talk about four different occasions for different people in the Bible that actually lived out a life of pursuing God and his will for their lives. And in that, in that type of life, in that lifestyle of pursuing God, worship was manifested. Worship was a product of this God pursuing life. These four people expressed worship in different ways and in different contexts that I would like to point out. And we're gonna go over that. When we live a weird life for God, because it's weird, people don't expect us to react the way we react. We find out that no matter the circumstances, worship will be our lifeline. Worship Christ from the most inner parts of our soul. We will, learn, we will learn to say like David, bless the Lord, my soul. Don't forget any of his blessings. So first of all, we wanna see a, a man, a king of Israel. His name was Jehoshaphat. And something very particular and weird <laughs> happened in the life of Jehoshaphat. And the worship that Jehoshaphat uh, manifested or expressed, I want to call it faith worship. Faith worship. What is this faith worship? Well, um, faith worship has to do with worshiping God based on what he has said and not on what we see. Faith worship has to do with worshiping God based on what he said and not what we see. We're gonna, we're gonna read this really quick. Second Chronicles 20 um, uh, just uh, talks about this uh, story in the Bible and it's very, very awesome actually. It says, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you. Uh-oh, <laughs> here's a big problem, right? From the, from the other side of the Dead Sea, it is already in haze, ha ha you know what I mean. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Verses five. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand, withstand you. Verse 14, please. Then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah. And he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah. Can you jump to the next verse, please? 
all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge and desert of Jeriel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very, can you say that with me? Very loud voice. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood, stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out, the, out at the head of the army, they saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off the plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. That is why it is called the Valley of Baraka to this day. Wow, what a story. And what a response from Jehoshaphat. There's a huge army coming against him. And what does Jehoshaphat do? No. He doesn't, he doesn't freak out. He goes unto the Lord and he says, God, what do I do? Aren't you the God that has defeated? Aren't you the God, the Almighty? And then uh, the Spirit of the Lord comes upon a prophet and starts telling them, the Lord starts telling them about their victory that they're going to have. Have any of you had a word of God of victory and that victory is going to come to your life, right? And what do we do? yes Lord but I think my way is better yes Lord but you know what I think I can solve things yes Lord but you know what I want to keep on crying you know what and and Jehoshaphat responds in a total different way. He could have responded like, okay, guys, let's get ready. We got to get prepared. Go get your armor. Go do this. Go do that. But Jehoshaphat says he bows down before the Lord and all of Jerusalem, all of Israel and Judah bowed down before the Lord in worship. Worship. Wow. Let's see some things about faith worship. Number one, when God speaks, worship takes center stage. 
When God speaks, worship takes center uh, stage, I'm sorry. Our response to God's word in our life needs to be worship. Because worship is a natural response from our life to God and his promises. This is because we know that when God says something, we know it. We believe that when God says something, it will come to pass. His word does not return, what? Void. When he speaks, it happens. All his promises are yes and amen. We sing it here, right? He agrees with you having victory over your enemies, whether it be an addiction, a broken marriage, a prodigal son or daughter, a financial crisis, a sickness. He agrees with you for your victory. That alone should take us to our knees as it did Jehoshaphat to worship and acknowledge God's intervention in the midst of any threat from the enemy. When God speaks, worship takes center stage. Faith worship lets God be God. Faith worship lets God be God. But sometimes we want to do the things. Sometimes we think we have better ideas. Sometimes we just don't like what we heard. And it's better, you know, it's easier. It's not that difficult. But when what faith worship brings to our lives is that it lets God be God. When we tell him, you can do it, Lord. You are the almighty God. And I love how God responds to, to the worship of his people. In, in, in verse 23, it says, as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men. Some, you know, some scholars say that actually, they were actually angels that came down to fight for Israel. Can you imagine that? You want divine intervention in your life? You really want divine intervention in your life? You want angels activated in your favor? Sister, brother, worship. Faith worship. Even in the midst of the enemy being coming against you. Worship. While we worship God in the midst of our ongoing circumstances, God will take care of those things that we don't even perceive. And in ways that we can't even fathom. Angels working in your favor. Angels working in your favor. That's, that, it's God working in your favor. You know? Worship in the midst of whatever attack from the enemy that you are receiving. And God will be God. And he will do what only he can do. Faith worship brings reward. Faith worship brings reward. Your faith in Jesus, guess what it gets you? Eternal life, right? In, in our everyday life, when we put our, our, our trust in, in the Lord and God, God will work in, in ways we don't imagine. And I, I know I've told this story before, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again, ni modo. 
I'm sorry. But I, re I remember when we left um, uh, Juarez back in 2012, um, you know, God was speaking in my life and he was saying, you know, it's time to go. It's time to, to do something different. Uh, you know, your life is going to take a, a turn. And um, I really didn't want to. I was like, no, nah, I won't let you be God. I'll, I'll take care of this. But it came to a point where I just, I just let go. And my heart and my life became worship for God. And I just started worshiping him. And I recall that one day um, we, 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 we spoke to our pastor and said, you know what, um, I think we're, you know, we're going to step out. God is calling us to this, blah, blah, blah. And he, he says, yes, you know, if this is God, go ahead. But then again, in my heart, I was like, okay, I got to sell the house because we own the house in Juarez. And like, I haven't even paid for it all. I need to sell that. How am I going to do it? And then if I leave the church, you know, that's my income source. How am I going to pay? You know, all these kind of stuff come, started coming to my mind. And I said, Lord, it's, it's up to you. We worship you. We acknowledge that you are God and that you are going to do whatever you need to do. Well, we painted the house inside. We had not, because in, in Mexico, they don't give you the house like with kitchen and floors. You got to do all that. So we had just put the kitchen in. Uh, it was two weeks after we put the kitchen in that God started doing that. I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And um, so then we went to a, to a realtor and we just spoke with him, had a meeting and told him, you know, we want to sell the house. And he's like, you know that houses aren't selling right now in Juarez. Actually, people are abandoning their houses because of violence that's going on. I'm like, well, uh, we're selling it. And he said, and in what time period do you want to sell it? By when do you want to sell it? It was April. I told him, well, maybe August, you know, because we want to go to Paso and have the kids in school. And he just started laughing, like laughing. And he said, no, there's two other houses that I'm trying to sell in your neighborhood and they haven't sold in a in year and a half. I'm like, oh, okay. I said, well, let's, let's go ahead and do it. And he said, okay, I'm going to go. It was a Friday. He said, on Monday, I'll be at your home to take pictures and start promoting. I'm like, okay. So he arrives on Monday. And, uh, he, you know, before coming inside of the house, he says, you know what? This guy that has seen the other two houses, he wants to come and see your house. Do you think you can allow him to come? And I'm like, yeah, sure. He says, okay, he'll be here in a half an hour. He got there. The guy had got there with his mom. He was about to get married. And he went in and he went upstairs, saw the room, saw the kitchen, a brand new kitchen and, um, and everything. And then that same evening, he signed to buy the house. In three days, in three days, my house was sold. What happened? I just let God be God. I just put my faith completely in him and worship him and I received my reward. I did not have to fight. I did not have to, you know, get in, 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 um, in mode of, of having things done my way. But we let him be God and when we do that, we let him do what he knows best for us and we will see great reward. Let yourself be amazed of how weird worship takes us to new levels of blessings in God. 
Another story that I want to, uh, I'm not going to read it because it's a little bit long, but most of us know it. And if you don't know it, I'm going to tell you really quick. This guy named Paul, you know, he wrote most of the New Testament. Um, and a friend named Silas, you know, they were, they were out preaching the word of God and they came upon this girl that had a, a spirit of, of a, a psychic spirit, I guess. I don't know how to call it. And, um, you know, they cast the spirit out. The ones that were gaining money from what she was doing got really upset. And they tattletale on Paul and, and Silas. And they got them and they beat them and they put them in jail and they put them in the deepest dungeon with chains and locked them up. Wow. And what were they doing? Preaching the gospel. And they got in trouble. And they were there in, the, in jail. And they could have, you know, just... Right there, they could have complained. They could have said, what's going on, God? Weren't we just like preaching the gospel? Weren't we doing your work? Why are we here? They could have complained. They could have whined. They could have cried. Like, <laughs> they could have got depressed. They could have, you know, so many things could have gone on in their minds. But what do Paul and Silas do? The Bible says that in the middle of the night, they started singing. They started worshiping God. They started worshiping God. And, they, um, and then uh, when, when they started worshiping, it says that the whole jail heard them. Remember in, in, in the story of Jehoshaphat, it says that they sang what? Very loud. Very. Not just loud. Very loud. And Paul and Silas in jail sang to, to the degree that everybody in jail heard them. And then in verse 16, if we can go, um, it's, I'm sorry, verse 26, Acts 16, 26. Can you get that? Let's see if, if we can. It says, mm, Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Something happened when they started to worship God. Freedom worship, that's what I call it. Freedom worship. Freedom worship is the kind of worship that comes even when the prison walls of oppression, depression, anxiety, hopelessness, discouragement, and disappointment seem to close in on you. It's freedom worship that takes you to a place that you know that you know that you know that you have a deliverer. Amen. That the God of deliverance will come. Freedom worship. The first thing that it does is that it shakes things up. Freedom worship shakes things up. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. The foundations of the prison were shaken. When we choose worship over whining, things start to change. While whining only takes us deeper into desperation, worship shakes the very root, the very foundation of any oppression, and we are set loose to experience God's abundant joy. We can let ourselves, my brother and my sister, to be uh, encaged of all the things that go on in this life. You know, one of the things that 
Jesus promised, and, and it's not a, that good of a promise, is that in this world, we would have, what? Afflictions. We would have troubles. Problems would be part of what it is. But trust. Trust in me, because I have overcome the world. Freedom worship knows that word. Freedom worship does not let those walls, does not let those walls that are trying to oppress us have its way. We worship because we know that God will deliver. Freedom worship makes a way. It says, at once all the prison doors flew open. All the prison doors flew open. In Isaiah 43, 16, it says, this is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty um, waters. Freedom worship makes a way. When we worship, when we worship, seas of doubt part in two for, at, for us to access God's truth. Every doubt that could come our way is put under, it's, it, it, it has no power when we come and we worship God knowing that our deliverance is near. Doors that had never and couldn't have opened any other way will open when we acknowledge who God is and what he can do with you and in you in any situation. That is what freedom worship does. It makes a way. Also, freedom worship brings freedom. Freedom worship brings freedom. It says, and everyone's chains came loose. It shook things up. It opened a way. And, it, and all the chains became loose. A life of worship finds that freedom is possible even when the chains are so binding and it feels like there's no way of escaping. Paul and Silas did not wait for those doors to open, for the earthquake to come, and for the chains to fall to start worship. They did it while those walls were still up while that door was still closed and while those chains were still on them. We could excuse ourselves and we could justify ourselves by not worshiping, saying, it's just, it's just not going my way right now. I feel depressed. I feel oppressed. I feel attacked. I don't hear God. I don't see God. I don't know why he has me in this situation. We could excuse ourselves and we could justify ourselves, but Paul and Silas decided not to do that. They said, uh-uh, come what may, I will worship. I need you to understand this. They were in prison and then they're not the prisons that we have now. Okay, this was prison prison. This was hold me down with chains prison. This was put me in a dungeon prison. 
and they decided to worship. And finally, fervent worship. Fervent worship, what I like to call extravagant worship. And we see, it, we, we see this in two different stories, really quick that I wanna touch. Fervent worship is worshiping God with no self-awareness. <laughs> it's worship that surrenders all last bit of shame, pride, or ego. Extravagant worship will draw critics, will draw criticism, but most importantly, it will draw God's attention and favor over your life. In 2 Samuel 6, we read a story there of King David, if we have that. It says, wearing the linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Micah, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. The following, please. When David returned home to bless his household, Micah, daughter of Saul, which was a prior king, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Micah, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father, ouch, or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be hum humiliated in my own eyes. Wow. David's desire to have the Ark of the Covenant back in the rightful place was finally accomplished. It had been outside of Israel and, and they brought it back. This brought great joy to Israel and especially to David. He was after all a man after God's own heart. He pursued God like no other. And when it came to bringing the ark back to Jerusalem, David made his entrance as rightful king over Israel, not in a dignified way that Micah was used to from her father Saul, but in a way that all title mattered nothing in the presence of God Almighty. The presence of God was being brought to Israel one more time to its rightful place. And David, he forgot about his, his title or what he was in that moment because he was in front of the presence of the most high God. And he started dancing and Micah gets mad. He says, think you look cute, half naked? Uh, I just wanna make a disclaimer here. I am not vouching for you to come half naked to church and dancing in the presence of the Lord like that. I just wanna put it out there because then there's weird, weird people. Okay, once that's said, David did not mind. He said, uh-uh, I'm just gonna praise and I'm gonna dance before the Lord. I don't care 
who sees me. I don't care what they say. I don't care if my wife doesn't like it. I am going to bless. I am going to celebrate that the Lord is in this place. That is what David was saying with his extravagant worship. So one of the things that fervent worship does, sorry, is that it acknowledges the presence of God. It acknowledges the presence of God. In Luke 7, we have another, another story, beautiful story, about a woman. It says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life. Can you, can you I'm going to read that again. Who lived what? A sinful life. Learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. I mean, this lady was serious. And this is one of the most beautiful worship scenes that we see in the Bible. It says, a woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating, that Jesus was at the house, that Jesus was in the house, and she went to worship. Fervent worship, extravagant worship acknowledges the presence of God. When you and I come to church, <laughs> can I preach to you today? Hallelujah. I hope I don't get in trouble. But when we come to church, sometimes we think that we come to church to get served. We come to church and say, oh, well, today wasn't that good. The preaching was, oh, the songs were okay. (laughs) It's true. Thing is, church ain't for you. When we come to church and we acknowledge that the presence of God is in this place, worship. Again, when we come to church and we acknowledge the presence of God in this place, worship is what's supposed to happen. Whether the team is playing, whether they're not playing, whether the preacher's preaching or not preaching, when we acknowledge the presence of God in our lives, worship is poured out. Worship is poured out. Fervent worship brings us to a state of recognizing God's presence and not being able to do anything else but worship. Not being able to do anything else but say, you're here. This is a true story. The first time I came to this church, first Sunday I came here, we, Beauty and I were in a Bible school uh, in, in, in Mexico. And this Bible school was known because the presence of God would come in a very powerful way. And it ruined our lives <laughs> because now, you know, we need the presence of God. We need it. And we can, we can, um, discern and know where the presence of God is. The first time I came to this church, we were looking for a church. We didn't know where to go. We, three months without going to church, we would do online. And the first Sunday I came in, we came in through those doors. It was it. 
It was it. We said, this is it. This is the church. We acknowledge that the presence of God was here. And I've heard that story again and again. Where the presence of God is, there's nothing else you can do but worship. Fervent worship does not measure cost. Does not measure cost. This lady came in with her alabaster jar of perfume. And it's, it was said that, that, that the cost of that perfume was a year's wage, a year's salary. It was a very costly thing to give to Jesus. It measures no cost. But I think that what, what was more costly in a sense was the ridicule she received by the ones that were present. Even one of Jesus' own disciples criticized the waste. When worship takes you to a point that what others think of you is that you are weird, <laughs> you've come to a place of extravagant, pleasing worship before the Lord. And maybe weird for you is lifting your hands, and that's okay. Maybe weird for you is crying, and that's okay. Maybe weird for you is kneeling, and that's okay. You know, whatever, whatever spot you are in the journey of getting to know God, you know, maybe, maybe some of you are shy, still shy, and that's okay. But what I'm saying is that that first step that you take towards an extravagant worship and fervent worship to God it costs you, whether it's doing this, whether it's doing this, whether it's doing this, whether it's doing this. Whatever it is, it's a cost. And it's, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna get rid of all pride. I wanna get rid of all shame. I wanna get rid of my self-awareness. I don't care what the people might think. I don't care what they might say. I want to worship God at any cost in my life. Yes, Lord. Number three, fervent worship. Fervent worship welcomes all people. It welcomes all people. What was this lady? She was a what? Sinner. It doesn't say there that she had repented and that she had gotten baptized and that she went through 101, 201, 301, 401. No. She was a sinner and she heard that Jesus was in the house and she went to what? Worship. That is so weird. What? She did what? It doesn't matter where you are at in your journey with God. Worshiping God has nothing to do with your condition. But everything to do with who God is and what he has done and what he can and will do for you and in your life. You might think that God requires you to have all your ducks lined up to be able to come and pour your heart, your alabaster box out to him but nothing could be further than the truth. Just as you are, 
just as you are. If you are here today and this is your first time hearing something like this, I wanna tell you just as you are. If this is your second time, third time, is this, if, even if this is your 1,650th time that you've been to church, I wanna tell you wherever you are in your journey with God, just as you are, come. Come, come and worship. He'll take care of what's going on in your life more than you can imagine. Can I have the worship team come up, please? Because we're gonna activate this. I didn't just preach for you to listen. Uh -uh. I wanna activate Hallelujah. worship in this place. Can you stand? Just as you are, wherever you are in your journey, worship is an atmosphere changer. All these people that we, we read brought a change to the atmosphere. Worship brings change. Worship brings transformation. Worship brings victory. Worship brings reward. And today we're here to acknowledge Him as God. You know, as I was, I was thinking about you know, I'm praying about what to do today. One of the things that I felt God saying that he, he, he wanted us to do is to sing a song that did not mention the word I or me. Because <laughs> there's a lot of songs that mention the word I or me, and that's okay, it's, it has its place. But right now we're just gonna acknowledge Him as King, as God Almighty. And whatever it is that you're going in through your life right now, maybe you need, maybe right now what you need is faith worship. Maybe right now you're receive, receiving attacks from the enemy, but you've received a word of God that there's going to be victory. Maybe right now there's sickness, there's a prodigal son, there's a broken marriage, and God has spoken over that marriage. God has spoken over that son. God has spoken healing in your life. And right now what you're gonna do is that you're gonna faith worship. You're gonna worship him based on what he has told you and not based on what you see going around you. Maybe right now you need freedom worship. You've been depressed, you've been oppressed. The joy of the Lord has not been there. You don't see Him, you don't feel Him. And God right now wants to be, bring freedom and joy to your life. God will make a way where there is not a way. The very root of what's binding you, of what's holding you back will be shaken. Maybe right now, what you need to do is just to come and be extravagant before God. Something that you've never done before in worship, God is allowing you to do it now. Maybe it's lifting your hand, maybe it's even singing, you never sung. And you're afraid that everybody's gonna walk out. Don't worry, we're six feet apart right now, so they won't hear you that much. But maybe you haven't sung before. Sing to the Lord. 
Lift up your hands, kneel down, go face to the ground, whatever it is that God indicates or moves you to, do it. Be extravagant. Be aware that the presence of God is in this place. That what he wants from you right now is worship. salvation but right now you're feeling something that is changing that is touching your heart I want to say that is the presence of God nudging whispering his love into your life if you're here and you've never given your life to Christ before but you want to do that today you feel moved to surrender your life to to Christ Will you lift your hand right where you're at? God bless you, mijo. God bless you, brother. God bless you back there. God bless you. Would you repeat this prayer with me? And everybody else will repeat with us. Lord Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive my sins. Come into my heart and clean me. Be Lord of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Heart for the World Church Sermon Podcast. We hope that God's Word has inspired you today in a way that will boost your faith greatly. We want to encourage you to visit our website at hftw.church and follow us on our social media. May God bless you richly.